Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Oh, cast live from my secret forest bunker. It is Kith and Tell season four. Wow. Secret forest bunkers. Welcome to Kith and Tell, a podcast about kids in the hall that has outlived my actual real life ambition. (laughs) We will be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like Brucio's Criterion Collection and Hookers are the Police Department now. (laughs) I, I want that in real life, too. Yeah. <laughs> Defund the police, refund hookers. <laughs> refund uh, Sexy Girl Squad. It's yeah. coming up this season. I'm Stuart DC, and I am joined by Han Seidemann and Prince Rupert. Hello from my brush pile. <laughs> good, good, good one, Hans. Trevor Record in Vancouver, Canada. Hello. And Colleen Amakordoff in London, England. I hope to give birth in a taxi cab one day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she wants to give on life as she was born. A London taxi cab. A black, black, a black, black cab. cab. Yeah. One of those chip chip cheerios <laughs> or whatever the fuck you call them. <laughs> we'll be reviewing episode one of season four, which aired on sometime in 1993. Our resources is down and we live in a perpetual nightmare. Oh, so let's kick off our sketch rundown. We got... Immemorandium. Immemorandium? Immemorandum. Immemorium. <laughs> a dude died. <laughs> Thank you. Ted Riley, their camera guy. He died because his car exploded, I guess. Did he Preston? actually, or is, was this a bit? Oh, no. He, <laughs> no, I, what, no, he didn't actually die. <laughs> <laughs> what if he did, though? But well, they should have totally hired whoever actually recorded that car going down the hill. Mwah. Yeah. All right, Kit Sleuths, who can find out background <laughs> actors for us. Is, is there a Ted Riley? Did he die? <laughs> did Ted Riley actually pass, and did his car blow up that spectacularly? Then we have the new intro, which I have weird feelings mm-hmm. about. Then we go into the show proper. We got The Night I Connected With My Dog, The Small Mammal With Whom I Live a Lie. It's a long monologue by Bruce. Mixed feelings. <laughs> then we have... T- With a terrier. Oh, it is a terrier. Then we have Taxi Hospital. Dave's taxi driver ends up providing health care to medical skeptics. He's got to keep that meter running. <laughs> you got to keep the meter running, but it's nothing compared to an airport fare. <laughs> that, that corkscrew. Huh? Oh, yeah, that one makes me cringe. And then we have Hookers Undercover. Spoiler, hookers are the new police Yay. department. They just keep running in. I realized watching this one again that they probably do this because they get them in drag and are like, all right, we don't have enough material for a full scene. Let's just do like four punchlines but it takes so long to get pretty (laughs) yeah that might be it uh i actually like this one it's truly an undercover sketch as it's secretly a police department sketch passing the torch from the police to the hookers (laughs) yay that then we move into tucker's repair mark mckinney does a weird character and it goes on forever and even the audience doesn't seem to know why it's funny Mm -hmm. it's it's really something it's never a good it's just yeah, he's just a mentally challenged guy that's trying to repair a car with a hammer. That's the that's, joke. That's the joke. And, like, I feel like there was such a good setup for Kevin to do his Kevin stuff and be like, oh, look at me. I'm bad at making decisions and standing up for myself. But instead, he just stands there and looks uncomfortable. Well, thank you for fixing the premise of, of this sketch from 30 years <laughs> You're ago. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. We move into Scott's Distraction Hair. I'm sure that's <laughs> yes. not the name of the actual sketch, but I love it. 
Scott doesn't want to talk about stuff, and so he just non-committally plays with his hair and makes noises, and I love all of them. <laughs> yes. Right from the homophobic <laughs> and his little eep. <laughs> um, also, whoever, was it Michael from Queer Planet? The guy yeah. who approaches him first? Oh, great. He does great work, and he's just ripping around in a full leather suit. Yeah. Then we go into Spider on the Face. Dave's husband has a night spider on his face. <laughs> night spider. Wait, it's not Dave's husband. Oh, wait, you mean Dave as a husband. Dave as okay, a husband, yeah, not yeah. Dave's husband. Um, this one's weird because it both lags and kills at the same, mm-hmm. like at alternate mm-hmm. moments. There are some that I thought would have bigger jokes. Like he's like, this happened to me before when I went to Nam on business, <laughs> which is a joke that they use in It's Always yeah. Sunny, like years and years later, that people love, but no one in the audience reacted to that. They were just kind of like, oh yeah, you go to Vietnam on business. Like, I don't know. Is this a statement about free trade in the 90s? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> then we move into hooker tourists. Basic bitches get everywhere. They're like mold on the West Coast. That's the joke. And it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And then it goes right into another hooker sketch, which is hooker alien tricks. No. I would not fall for that again. <laughs> I just, I, I love that. that alien money. <laughs> I would. <laughs> and then finally, we have a real long office Brucio with a Brucio mini movie. It this one feels like Terry Gilliam, and I think we should talk about that later. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to say about the sketch, sketch this episode is that Kevin only appears out of drag once as the awkward getting his yeah. car repaired guy, yeah. and the rest of the time he's. He's a lady. He's the... He's a lady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's a lady. (laughs) That's going to fuck up my audio later. All right. Let's dive in with the first and most important thing. New intro. I don't like it. My partner makes makes fun of me for this all the time because she got me watching anime and I didn't know that they changed the theme songs of anime every season and sometimes mid-season and it... I always go through the same process of grief in which I get really angry that they would change a song that I love and then begrudgingly come to terms with it and then love the song just in time for them to change it for the next season and then I go through the whole process over again. Well, it's, but they do keep the, the, the song. The, the song just, is the same. The video. I'm, I'm, drawing, I'm drawing a parallel here between <laughs> okay. my Sisyphean existence and how I will mm. never be happy. So in this one, <laughs> they change the aesthetic quite a bit. They're looking for a more like dark club thing. It opens with some dude opening a door to like a backroom party and it's moodily lit and people are crying on the dance floor. As our very own T-Rex put it in an earlier season, this reeks of Lauren Michaels. <laughs> So I wanted, I wanted to hear what you guys thought about this. What did you notice? How do you feel? Give me your juice. You know, Stu, you talking about animes changing their themes every season reminded me of like this show that I think did the best job of, of kind of having different themes throughout the season, which is The Wire, in that they changed the song. It was the same song, but like done by different artists and recorded slightly differently. Mm. And then the opening credit sequence would would always be different, but it would be stylistically very similar, but it would kind of show you vignettes that would kind of inform you about like what this season was going to be about. And I think if if you apply that lens to these kids in the hall seasons, this season is going to fucking suck because I don't want to watch any <laughs> sketch that looks anything like this intro because the, all the other intros were kind of grainy or black and white or they're just kind of fuzzy and they just looked more like, I don't know, fun and in quirky and like i you know there were amusing little bits that would make me laugh and this season just looks like a bunch of dudes that have been doing coke all weekend uh and (laughs) and they're like too cool for life 
and it's all like very beautifully shot but in that kind of stark 90s that like mid 90s aesthetic as opposed to the early 90s zany colorful you know in living color kind of aesthetic and I, and if that's what yeah. the season is going to be which i know it isn't then it's going to fucking suck but anyways for that reason i think the intro sucks also scott's haircut which looks like a 14th <laughs> century monk bob is <laughs> fucking ugly uh he looks like he looks like a, the son of a duke who's just spilt his ice cream or something like that <laughs> i um i hate it and for th- for those two very equally important reasons i can't stand this intro you know what i actually don't mind i don't mind it because only because i think it was the last one uh last season where we had them sort of standing on a street corner just kind of staring into the screen for too long right yeah season threes was worse than this one i yeah, think that one yes. was shit. so honestly yeah. this is this is kind of like a welcome change but i guess if we go back to kind of some of our first discussions about kids in the hall generally being that place you go if you're a loser kid in a basement trying to find out someone else who has your humor this does i think you're right on kind of makes it feel like you're like oh do i not get to be part of this club (laughs) yeah like it feels like this this intro should have someone over top of it like there should be a saxophone over top of it and someone being like and mark mckinney you know like (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing that really stuck out to me is it felt very much like they're rebranding it as like, oh, look, we're cool and edgy and underground, which is weird because that is kind of their vibe as we were talking about the like shot on the street. But the feeling of like, I love what you were saying about the Kalina about it being like looking for other losers in your basement and this weird like not self-fulfilling like self-defeating prophecy where you're like it's cool because you know you're outsiders and you're like look we just have this found footage of us ripping around a junkyard or whatever and mark heard his hand punching <laughs> yeah. it or like that weird baby that looks like bruce <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the thing on his chin <laughs> and a dude doing a flip into a pool and this one sort of feels like they're like yeah you know it's like it's cool it's not like snl it's like a fun sexy party there are drag queens here and i'm yeah it, it feels like it's a little on the nose i mean the drag queens that is a that is a good inclusion because i mean this again to our modern day sensibilities that's just like oh look how cool these parties are but in 93 i guess having a whole bunch of drag like actual drag queens in your intro video would have been a bit like edgy and not a bit i mean pretty considerably edgy and yeah to me it it seems very much like they're leaning into like look this is our aesthetic we don't give a fuck we have warehouse parties kevin mcdonald throws records when he doesn't feel like it dave's gonna kick away the camera like a spicy boy (laughs) is this the scott intro what do you mean wait does he like what it feels like maybe this is an intro that like Scott would have come up with to some extent. You know what I mean? I mean, he does get to dance in it, and during his like everyone else does the intro, and they all look pretty nonchalant except Scott. <laughs> He's just, just living his life. His, yeah, which exactly. I love, yeah, yeah. I, I, which I kind of want to push back on the haircut for that. I'm like, no, it's awful, but I kind of love it. I love that he's just being sexy art boy. I, I think I will give him props for being the only one that makes a facial expression in this <laughs> intro. <laughs> is technically yeah. present. I mean, it would be interesting to look back on them with the which personality fits which intro best lens. Yeah, exactly. This, this to me, feels like a Scott intro. Um, and... In that same way, it's kind of self-indulgent, Scott. Like that uh, when they had the Scott Tom or the, yeah, the Scott Thompson show. Um, it has that same <laughs> kind of vibe to it. I you miss know? that. It was a good. But that's both self-indulgent and self-deprecating. That one is. This is just self-indulgent. 
You think he's, you think he's just trying to be the hotness? I think it was just like, hey, let's film uh, an intro in a cool warehouse party that I will host and where I am like the center of attention. It kind of has that vibe to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I bet you he's pretty pleased that we're, our take is like, <laughs> oh, the only way they would get to a party is if Scott invited them. <laughs> well, the only way they'd get to a fun party is if Scott invited them, yeah. Yeah. Trevor, I haven't heard much from you on this one. Do you have any hot takes? Well, I mean, there was a lot of Hans talking. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, Hans got Hans got stimulated by that. Yeah, I think that like um, what you said, Stu, is what I generally agree with, which was this feels very market tested where someone decided that they needed to tell everyone that they were cool just by virtue of watching this show and nothing in in this intro tells you that it is a comedy show that's interesting mm, that's a good point yeah. so now that i'm thinking now that i'm thinking about season three's intro i know i hated it but it does it very much like matches mark <laughs> just <to> say. <laughs> it's a mark See? what what is season and then they change the anime song and everything is ruined Se- forever. Season one and two, what are they? Season one's totally Bruce. Classic. Okay. Classic season original. two is very similar though. So. Black and white is black and white would be Bruce, I think. Yeah. Is season one the one where they're on the bus? Oh, yes, I think and so. And it like shoots them with the uh, Is that the one or is that season, season two? two? Yeah. No, I think season two is the one where they're all kind of on this that's when we're all looking at the camera and stuff like that. That feels like a Dave uh, a Dave uh, season intro. Oh yeah, because the camera runs by him and he's like Murp, and makes a little pouty mouth. Yeah, exactly, mouth. where they're all yeah. making their little weird expressions. And then the black and white one would be Bruce, because obviously which leaves yeah. Mark for the other one. No, yeah, season one's the one where they're wandering through the junkyard and Mark punches the metal thing and he's like, oh my hand, look I can act. And we're all like, Haha, you can, yeah, Mark. Mark. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, and he does that for like four more wait, seasons. Wait, has Kevin had one yet? No, no, he'll be season five, I guess. <laughs> No, Kevin's Kevin's theme song is the brain candy in that it is cancelled and bad. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No. Brain, brain candy is not that bad. We we need to watch it at the end well, of the we'll we need to see. watch it. I, yeah. I do I do have to really fangirl out on, on Kevin in the season four intro because he, he's looking really babesalish with that uh that set of glasses. With the glasses. I, I do feel like they set this one up to be like, look, you all get to reinvent yourself. And Kevin's like, I'm not going to be a hysterical weirdo. I'm going to be a music guy and have glasses. I'm smart. And I'm like, he invites the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, I want to believe that you're able to rebrand yourself, but I don't think that is the case. Poor Kevin. Uh, are we guys ready to move on to segment two? Mm-hmm. I guess. Oh. <laughs> I guess. Do you have any more just like lightning round thoughts about this, Kalina? No, I'm done. <laughs> oh no, okay. Well, I, I do want to. I do want to just give you a big shout out, Stu, for describing Stu's haircut as a penis bulb because that's exactly correct. You said Stu's haircut. That's or Scott's haircut. I, look. I only had that haircut once, and I was learning some stuff about myself. All right. <laughs> the bisexual Bob comes to us all. <laughs> all right. Segment two. Bruce's Brazil moment. I want to talk about Bruce's Brazil moment. We've seen this a couple times where we're just like, oh, the episode has like five to eight minutes of dead air. Bruce, would you like to have a camera and $300? And he's like, absolutely, I would. So in the past, we felt things like, we saw like the wig sketch. Um, What was the other one that was wacky, but not quite as wacky the 30 second stories are you, th- are you talking about I feel like we talked about this when we saw a wig sketch last season no he's talking about extended I, yeah i guess 30 second stories are kind of like a prelude yeah. to this but i feel like he had another one that was just sort of long and just him oh no, you're right he did 
Obviously, it wasn't that <laughs> successful because we can't remember what it was or what was in it. But yeah, when we did the wig shop one, we pointed out that we it were felt a little le- divided on the wig we shop were, too. We were divided, it, but but we I, the consensus was that it felt very Lynchian, yes. like it had these weird angles and pull ups, and they had like these yeah. almost. Um, visual narrative where it's like he looks at his hands and he's covered in bugs or he hears the bell like yeah. it was just sort of weird mm-hmm. storytelling this one isn't as out there as the wig shop but it did to me it felt really Terry Gilliam yes. like it seemed extremely 12 monkeys from the way they like zoomed in um, and really saturated yeah. with light and when added, he's dying or his heart's static, out yeah. I, I would, I would agree like, with you he's trying less <laughs> visual metaphor more just surreal but direct in what he's telling you about yeah yeah the surrealism too like you know the the phones on the ceiling and some of the angles are 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 tilted and stuff so how do you guys feel about this one as compared to some of the other bruce mini movies um do you like them in general just tell I, me I pretty much always like them and i liked this one this one is like a very good meditation on workaholism like you know like i, I love how he keeps mm. on cutting away with him like um killing himself with work where he's just like looking at a painting he's like i want to be a better person you know <laughs> oh no no so my favorite part about that is he, he they they kind of set this up uh, on purpose that he's like mental note and so it's that's supposed to be his internal monologue yeah. where he makes mental note but this makes me so happy that in that dynamic his happy place where he makes mental notes is just him standing close <laughs> to the painting of a landscape like his happy place isn't being in the landscape he's just talking to a wall he's like mental note family is important <laughs> Yeah, th- this is something that like rings true as, as true today as it did then oh, too. Totally. Where just like the types of people that are like, I work twelve hours every day. I never take weekends off. That's good and what you should do to be virtuous. Also, I I I I know how to paint, and so I also have a, a balanced life. It's like no, you don't. <laughs> oh my god, the like the STEM lord super bro thing where they're like no no i'm balanced i have this one hobby that i'm totally obsessed about and i want it i want art and now i am a yes. balanced person exactly yeah i love that i just yeah bruce i'm a little bit resentful for bruce because i feel like he just made me an unproductive person like he contributed to my general disdain of being alive because <laughs> you see these you see these sketches and i'm like yep that's not the way to do it, obviously. The way to do it is to get very drunk and yell at yeah. your roommates. Or perhaps throw things off the back of a moving truck. Mm. I would say my favorite parts about it is is like being able to fully act out like the ridiculous request that you have. You're like, 37 seconds alone. <laughs> then bring 10 people into my office. Two of them must have 1993 <laughs> calendars with them. I really like that he's like, baby! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that just was great. brings him a that baby. A oh, I'm just... <laughs> And then it immediately cuts into... Which is clearly his baby, I think, right? Yeah. Is it? I think it is, because then he says, spend more time no, with it's... my family right afterwards. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, no, he's like mental note, family yeah. is important. And so I think I read that as, so he, he does the baby for work, and then he's like, oh, I should have a baby. That's enough thought for that. And then moves Maybe back Maybe it's his, work. like, grandchild or something, too. He's could old, be. right? He is he, older. It could be. I don't know, man. If you're an executive like that, they have kids at 60 all the time. It's fucking yeah. weird. Oh, just pulling out the executive thumper. And, like, I went to go, like, yes. jot that yes. down. And by the time I looked back at the screen, his heart was on the fucking desk. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. I didn't see the transition, but it was great. And, and then, you know, it's, it is that feeling. When, 
and he's just pouring coffee on his heart and he's yes. saying, get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you substandard piece of garbage. <laughs> Yeah, Kalina, I definitely, I definitely uh, delighted at the executive thumper as well. Um, I think, I mean, Stu, to I don't know, get to your original maybe question or point, but like, I think that the reason I really like this one is because it is, it is kind of artsy and it is an extended Bruce sketch, but it's still a comedy sketch all the way through. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. He, it, mm-hmm. it never sacrifices humor for being artistic. The art, or like the artisticness, serves mm. the comedy. Like you say, the saturation and the and everything when he when he's got his heart out is like serving to accentuate the fact that he doesn't have his heart in his fucking body and he's still trying to uh, do his work. And like some of the other um, kind of sillier, uh, absurdist things, like the the phone on the ceiling and like the five phones around and mm-hmm. he's spinning and getting caught up in cords, like. It oh, all just ex- the way he jumps yes, onto the desk yeah. too, just like that. Exactly. <laughs> Those were like all of that made like it was it was kind of artistic, and and then in order to shoot the the phone on the ceiling, they'd have to get these low angles that angles that kind of give him a hero angle when he's jumping up on the desk and stuff. And so all of that though mm. serves the comedy of just how ridiculous this guy's you know commitment to his business thing is going. Um, Are you saying this in comparison to the wig shop? Yeah, exactly. Where, okay. Like you know him staring at his hands and there's just bacteria hallucinations and it's like, is that funny inherently? Mm. Is that is does that accentuate any other humor? No, it's just kind of. It's it's a weird thing for its own sake. No, you know, no, he was this... he was he was working with visual metaphor there in a way yeah. that he's not as much. But here. it wasn't like it wasn't serve like it wasn't directly serving humor. No, you know? I'm I'm with you, Hans. Like it feels like it's much more cohesive. Yeah. Um, is, I think other... it's probably because also it's just, just super relatable. It's like we we all know shitty people <laughs> who overwork yeah. themselves mm. to prove nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also the framework of this more Gilliam-esque, like, there's so much about this that screamed Terry mm-hmm. Gilliam to me. It was, like, the, the way it zooms in, even the way he talks, which I know is just kind of a Bruce bit. Like, when he's doing improv about business people, he'll just kind of, like, mutter nonsensically. But, I've like, they do that joke in um, The Crimson Mutual Assurance at the start of, uh, what's the yeah, Monty the one Python where one? They... Is that... Meaning yeah, of life, meaning, yeah. or I think it's yeah. the meaning of life, but like all the all the little actuarians are in there, and they're just sort of like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a yeah. very uh, Monty Python joke trope that you see all the time, and it works perfectly in this because it just feels like there's like Ron, no, other things that I loved from the sketch though um, was when he gets into his office and he just says, "Let's get something going," <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it cuts yeah, to the exactly. clock. I but love then that. also. Um, uh, I loved at the very end where his secretary comes back in and he's like, he's just straightened up after putting his heart back into his body. There's no evidence of any blood whatsoever. And he just asks, does my heart mm. look like it's in straight? And she goes, yeah, <laughs> like this is a totally normal thing for her. She's like, yeah. yeah. Oh, total tangent. But at the start when he walks in, he's like, this place is like a morgue. And it's like a <laughs> shot of the, the bullpen. There's this dude ripping around in really long cut jorts <laughs> with a long wig. And I'm like, is that Kevin? Did you put Kevin in jorts? <laughs> and I think they might have. So I'll have to have some eagle eyed viewers for that. Well, no, because Kevin's the secretary. So it couldn't possibly be Kevin. But it's not in the same scene. Uh, they do a cutaway for that and they could have put him in drag. Can never have too much Kev. All right. Ready for segment three? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to do 
one of our standards here, best kid, worst mm. kid. But because it's the first episode of season four, let's go back to what we did originally and say projections. So I want to hear your best kid, worst kid of the episode. And I want to hear what you think is going to happen for your favies of season Ooh. four. Favy babies. Baby babies. Uh, Kalina, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, I mean, this this is a bit this is a bit tough. <laughs> you sound so I know. stressed. Well, I, I've been trying to think about this the whole the whole episode. Um, I I'm gonna give it to Scott. Scott's I, gonna be best. I, aside from his his dancing in the intro, but. I like the I like that whether it was intentional not or not the refer like it seemed referential to the Scott's hair sketch which I was <laughs> totally into mm. and just just trying to have to think like how does someone process emotions when they can't cope <laughs> uh, and and I'm just I'm so excited whether or not it like fully replaces cops in the future just the the introduction of hookers so um he's he's gonna get that for me but i mean as for the introduction well, the, intro... <laughs> the introduction yeah, of in my life, it's, it's good but um i'm gonna go a bit off the rails here which i know you everyone loves when you set me up for um an actual rule here but i'm gonna i'm gonna go dave and scott just because i love them so much as Francesca Fiore and Bruno Punce Jones and putting them together in like a constant duo in Hookers just makes me think like this is going to be their season. Dualities, mm. you know. Mm. I like that. They're oh, good as so the Hookers good. too because we have beautiful, beautiful Dave so that we've gorgeous. seen before when Bauer's trying to buy mm -hmm. weeds, <laughs> the gay panic. Um, or no, it's the heterosexual panic. Anyway, it makes people uncomfortable to see Dave that hot. <laughs> um, but it is it is a real one-note character that it's sort of like, yeah, it's a it's a ditzy jaded Quebecois yeah. hooker works really well with Scott as like extra brassy because then they can kind of bounce on it each other it's funny like that they're that. both Quebecois hookers like why why was that I wonder no she's no, she's not Quebecois it's just Dave's Quebecois yeah, aren't they both oh okay no she's she speaks with a like decided anglophone accent All right. Never mind. uh Hans what was your favorite kid? Uh, I think this episode's got to be Bruce, uh, if nothing else, just on the strength of the uh, the business dude alone. Um, but he was also, I did like his uh, night I connected with my dog. His little dance routine was amusing to me. Um, and he didn't have any low moments. I mean, the only other person I think it could go to this episode would be Dave. No, I no, no like but his... it's not, Hans, it's not for the episode. We're talking f your projections for the season. No, we're doing both. We're, no, we're doing, we're doing both. I, I want, oh, Don't I see. Don't put limits on my love, Trevor. Um, limits on my love, dropping in three months. So, yeah, anyways. So for this episode, I think I'll, I'll give it to Bruce. Dave, honorable mention, I think, for his cabbie as well as his spider. Oh, can I just say for a moment, that spider, like, abdomen oh, moving on his face oh. really upset me. Even though it was a puppet and it was obviously a puppet, I just didn't like the way it kept wiggling. Ugh. It was um, fake enough that it didn't bother ugh, me, but it, it was getting me. kind of scary. Yeah, yeah it, they look like they articulated the head and the tail, which was weird. That was really yeah, upsetting. And a couple of the legs too. Han, Han. I, anyways, <laughs> uh, worst kid this episode, I think I'll give to Mark, I guess, just because he's not really in all that mm. much, and the only one he is in, I didn't really care for in the pitiful mechanic. So, um, Mark, worst one. As for the season, um, I feel like this has a lot of potential to be a good kevin season kevin was my kevin was my early or one of my early favorites in like season one and and he's kind of had some ups and downs over the seasons but i feel like he's due for 
a season of Kevin. So I'm, the Renaissance I'm like, of Kevin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm 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 optimistic for Kevin this season, and I'm you know early returns aren't looking positive for Scott, even though he's been one of my favorites for the last couple of seasons. If he keeps that haircut all season long, it's going to be a real downer as far as I'm concerned. So, um, <laughs> so I think I think Scott has a potential to be a worse kid this season, but I mean still a great kid just with a bad haircut. Oh, it's like you're talking about me. Trevor, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, I, w- I would say that uh, I'm with Hans on Bruce being best and worst for this episode. Uh, but I also think that for this season, it's shaping up to be a, a Bruce strong season. He's I think he's getting more traction to kind of mm. do his own thing now you know he can do whatever he wants he can do his terry gilliams he can do his david lynch's and i think we're gonna get a lot more uh, you know bruce being creative and i think on the other side of that at least from my memory there aren't a lot of new great mark characters in store from us from, mm-hmm. from from here on out you know like we've already been introduced to all the great mark characters i think at this point and some of the worst ones too yeah yeah <laughs> So I and I think that's that's going to be the problem is like all of the new Mark characters from here on out are ones like just the mentally slow man that tries to repair cars by hitting things mm. with a hammer. That's what he's going through this season too. He's just uh, a charmless things with a hammer. Jim Carrey. <laughs> charmless oh. Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh, boy. that's a shame. Which is a real which is a real <laughs> indictment considering that Jim Carrey is not known for being extremely charming either. So. <laughs> Yeah, but at least he can usually clutch it. Like, you see him do the rubber face thing, and you can tell it's like he just wants to make Mm. you happy. You know, uh, when Mark was later on SNL, they had uh, Jim Carrey on as a guest once, and uh, Mark played Jim Carrey. And uh, they were on, like, a pretend talk show, and Jim Carrey was was playing, um, what's the name of that fucking actor that was in It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, um... Oh, um, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, yeah, and yeah, and Jim Carrey beats Mark playing J- 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 Jim Carrey with a cane in in the sketch. Oh, because yeah. he's so yeah. SNL loves to do that though. To like, wouldn't it be hilarious if the person being impersonated was on the show? What? <laughs> um, I would like to see I, that though. I, I will. I will say that also. Mark does do a good Jim it. Carrey in the sketch. I could see it. Yeah, he's 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 a good actor. Like he, they lean on him for. We talked about this earlier that Mark, I think, is going to get a lot of flack from us now, thirty years out, because because he's the best actor and has the most like pre-wrapped characters. He's going to suffer the most from time capsule syndrome, mm-hmm. in which like, yeah, we used to think that uh, Asian people voices were really yeah. funny, and he's the best at doing them, so he does that, them a that lot. That is that is very true. And, like, I, I think they also had a bunch of other good characters. You know, they had um, the head-crushing guy, and they have him, like, as the oh, chicken lady. God, yeah. And that was because they had... We even... But, like, we, we liked him in season two as, like, the creepy guy with a soul patch. Sure. Sure, yeah. Right? There, like, yeah, he, he used to do more... There will be other characters that he does that I think we like. It's just, you know it's hard to come up with a good character and we don't have any new ones coming along and we're already tired of the other Mark characters. So we've tapped the well. It's done. (laughs) The well is dry. All of the, that's gone. What about you? Um, Okay. I'll throw mine in real quick. 
Uh, yeah, I agree with what you guys said about who did the heavy lifting in this episode. I think it's worth noting again that Kevin only appeared out of drag once and it was awful. And I think this is... I also read an interview with him where he was like, when I did drag, the crew was much nicer to me. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know if that's a sad Kevin being a sad boy (laughs) or if he was just sort of like, oh, no respect. God, I have it. But I like the characters he does. I really love the bit in... I didn't really like Spider on the Face just because I feel like a lot of the beats they try to use completely miss the mark. Like when the alarm clock goes off, the audience does not react mm. or laugh and they kind of react really I think they needed more spider it. movements like when there were actions that would cause the spider to be dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, yeah, but it felt like they didn't really yeah. react to it right and it just felt kind of it weird and uh, unsettling. But the moment that really did it for me is it cuts like they're they're having their marital breakdown, a common theme in the show, <laughs> and it cuts to Kevin. He's like, oh, darling, and starts going into this monologue. And there's something about the oh, darling that just really got me. I was like, ah, oh, he really committed to the to the punchline on that one. And I loved it. So I, I really I like drag Kevin in this one and how much we get. I think for projection, I'm going to I'm going to put this dynamic out. I want to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, Scott versus Bruce auteur attack because we've noticed that Bruce has been having more of these long form kind of wacky different narration video styles but we've seen this with Scott too with um, Liza's party and like so he gets to have some more of these like out there ones and the um, the hairstyle one I don't really know what to call it the like mm. avoiding awkward conversation hairstyle one has very little yeah. dialogue from an actual that kid. was very good visual comedy though yeah <laughs> right and I like, even the noise is, <laughs> and it's it's a pretty heavy subject especially for the time uh, and it's just it's just funny and light I, so I'm gonna see a rivalry between those two for non-standard comedy formats battle royale Battle Royale. Who do you who do you think is gonna disappoint you this season though, Stu? Uh probably myself more than anyone. <laughs> and and then other than that, Mark. I think we're right. I want it to be proven wrong because I love Mark McKinney and I feel like he's a very Canadian Canadian kid. But uh, I think we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here for fun boy action. Mark's got a few second acts in his career coming up for him, so we can go yeah. hard. He's he's gonna come out with slings and arrows in five years, so it's fine. Yeah, and then he also gets a pop belly and goes on Superstore and is somehow the most active kid in 2020, which is nuts to me. Ah, oh, 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to do standout sketch? Or just put a bow on it. This one was long. No, well, let's we can do it. Do standout. It's a it's a season it's a season premiere, guys. I know. It's just that all the ones that I do take forever to edit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fucking lazy. Okay, I'll do standout sketch. Quick. Okay, uh, Hans, what was your what 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 jumped out? What was your favorite? Look, I think this is I think this is going to be pretty easy for all of us because my favorite was Work Pig uh, with four and a half <laughs> uh, executive thumpers out of five. The Office heart heart attack when you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, no, literally, uh, the Kith fan website calls it WorkPig, which is amusing. Oh, really? Which is amusing to me because we refer to each other as WorkPigs whenever we're, like, directing each other to get work done on the podcast. Which, (laughs) realistically, is just what we call Trevor because he's the only one who does anything. It's not that I'm the only one that does anything. I'm the only one that nags other people to do things. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm down in the GIF mines every week, you know. No respect! Yeah, Hans Hans doesn't really need to be nagged that much. He's, He's probably the actual work pig i'm the (laughs) what are you talking about hans gets distracted all the time and we have to be like buddy it's monday and he's like oh fuck every week and we're like yep (laughs) 
<laughs> that's true. But I always do it. He does do it. That's true. <laughs> he does do it, yeah. You're like, I like how you're like, Hans doesn't actually work. We have to remind him to work no, every no. week. <laughs> no, it's that he's, he's, he's very hardworking but distractible, which is a very Hans Christmas. Yeah, true. Like a pig. No, yeah. pigs. Like a Whatever. Pig. <laughs> Someone get a pig expert in here. <laughs> Ricardo! <laughs> Okay, so work pig is definitely the best to, to me, but I, I do want uh, Scott's distraction hair to get uh, honorable mention as well because it is it is also a pretty yeah, good one. No, I totally yes. am joining you on, on the exact same boat mm. there. Boat pig, I don't know. Trough, mm. I'm, on the, I'm in the trough with you. <laughs> <laughs> we were born in the trough, we'll die in the trough. Yeah. <laughs> And obviously, car repair gets like the worst sketch because it it's there's no jokes in it. You can the studio audience doesn't laugh a single it's time. It's such so bad. a bad sign that the scene has ended and the audience doesn't clap. And then like, as the camera's panning out, they start to clap because they turn the light on that says "clap now," and they're like, "Oh right, cool." Yeah, it's a, it's a real Jeb Bush. Clap oh, please, cl sketch. please yeah. clap. <laughs> Look, Mark is going to cry later, so please you know, just give him something. You got oh, I just cried during the scene with all the fucking drool. You guys really hit the nail on the head. I, I think that Office Bruce is good. I really, I like tour, the hookers. I like yes. that they're going to replace the police department and that they had the passing the torch. That was neat. Um, I wanted to say something about the Scott's distraction hair because I... Uh, the first bit that he does with Michael from Queer Planet, I think he's making reference to the Little Sisters court case. Which yeah, was... versus Little Sisters bookstore. I live four blocks from it. They're awesome. They're an institution in Vancouver, uh, and they notably went to Supreme Court of Canada twice on obscenity charges because it's really complicated. But in, in short, the Border Patrol were confiscating they're more explicitly queer materials but letting heterosexual stuff go through based on the the um on the grounds of obscenity and they were like this is clearly discriminatory and arbitrary and the border patrol said no uh it's fine and they they went to supreme court of canada and that one of the reasons we have such uh robust protections for lgbtq issues and spaces is in part because of this landmark case. So I think that's kind of neat, and that was probably a reference to that. Yeah. I think it was around... This is 93. Yeah. That would have been around the time that this was happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Little Sisters I, Bookstore. Real dope, real queer. Neat. Definitely remember reading about it in a law class. Yeah. It's it's seminal. It's nuts. So I thought that was a cool little standout. I want more like History Corner with Stu. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what my law degree was good for. Sometimes I get high and watch Kids in the Hall. All right, that's it for episode one. <laughs> Canada does have a lot of historic case law about pornography. It does. It's dope. You can whack it wherever you want. Canada loves its porn. It does. You should, okay? It's The internet has taught us that that was the right attitude to have. I mean, also, we kind of made porn quasi-illegal for a while, too, because of a, a, a seminal court case, and that was later overturned. Mm -hmm. Canada does this a lot where we're like, look at how great and progressive we are. We're like, we only did that because we were so not progressive for so long with a bunch of hand-wringing, pearl-clutching nonsense. Well, the, the case that did make porn kind of quasi-illegal was uh, also informed by a radical feminist, though, Andrea Dawkins. Oh, we should get into that. I haven't thought about that one in a while. This is what people come to our podcast for. Yeah. It's the obscure <laughs> Canadian People don't legal. come to our podcast at all. <laughs> People 
I see him go on a blackout spree with like huffing glue and then click the wrong button and then propose to Hans the on people that, Yeah, the people that are looking for Joe Rogan, but they're too high so they just mash the keyboard and find Kip and Tell. <laughs> if anyone is listening to us right now thinking they were getting into a Joe Rogan podcast, like you must be so inept at using podcasts. <laughs> yeah, they're, they listen to Joe Rogan. Come on. Of course, of course. I love the enough. idea that our viewership is entirely people who have done far too much DMT and just start <laughs> clicking on things and are like, that did open my mind. And then they sober up and are like, what the fuck? I, I like to think that like all of Joe Rogan's audience or like half of it mistakenly thinks all podcasts are by Joe, Joe Rogan. <laughs> but aren't they though? Just hosted by a coked up gorilla with questionable thoughts about peanuts. Like... <laughs> Which of the kids would be the Joe Rogan of the group? Ooh. Now I mean, or then? Dave definitely knows him well because Joe Rogan got his start on news radio. That's true. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. But I feel like I feel like Scott would be the Joe Rogan because Scott seems the most willing to entertain a conspiracy theory. Yeah. I don't think Scott has the I'm I don't think Scott could resist making a fuss though scott's also the biggest shit disturber he got on the show by throwing donuts at them during a live performance like i don't think he has the the patience to be a host you know <laughs> anyway join us next week for episode two we might want to cut that it should be hosted by trevor i absolutely will not i love when it gets wacky who do i have to impress my mom she doesn't listen to this in the meantime you can find us at twitter on kip and tell pod weigh in on your favorite sketch enjoy some delightful gifts from the mm. gift mines dredged up by our own pack mule on Simon himself thanks for listening to kip and bye. tell bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs> it's...